You get these questions a lot. Where are you from? And what do you do? That's what you get asked, right? Meeting someone new, if you're at a party, or maybe on your dating profile. So why not just tell the world? We just launched a brand new online store that tells people where you're from and what you do. It has all 50 U.S. states and some countries represented with physical therapist gear at ptpinecast.com. A stainless steel tumbler for a PT in Tennessee. Check. South Carolina PT t-shirts. Double check. Face masks for a Florida PT. Yeah, we got that. Great gear for life, all with your profession and the home state on it. Great gifts for yourself, a colleague, a clinical instructor, a student, all now at ptpinecast.com. We talk PT, drink beer, and record it. This is the PT Pinecast. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are live. A couple great shows for you tonight. I like when um, we start uh, discussions on social media. Who knew we'd actually be social with the social media, not just taking shots at each other. A discussion would start on social media, which would lead to like a comment like, you know, this could be a complete episode. So I'm uh, going to give you some information on a, a topic that I think we touched on in PT school. And then, of course, when you start working, everything's going by at a thousand miles an hour. Uh, and you really don't get a chance to maybe dig into that. We're going to do uh, we won't call it a deep dive. We'll call it like a, like a medium dive into defensible documentation. We're going to cover notes and the things that you should be paying attention to when you're writing to, like you're just writing to a record, you have no idea who you're writing to. Uh, we'll talk about insurance, right? That thing that's always kind of looming. We always talk about that. And then we'll talk about billing and denials. So we're going to touch on all those topics with three different uh, guests touching each of those. All right, so we'll cover those three topics. Uh, before we get started, I do want to say thanks to uh, our friends at CBDRX4U.com, your CBD store. Did an episode about this not long ago. Uh, people taking this over the counter. Do you know how it's going to affect your patient's treatment, uh, course of treatment? Maybe you should figure that out. Uh, CBDRX4U.com, led by a physician. Get the ABCs of CBD on that website and find out how it will impact your patients. Uh, without further ado, I'm ready to do this episode. You ready? Good. Let's do this thing. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to PT Pinecast. Great physical therapy uh, conversations on tap. Find us online at PT Pinecast on the socials at PT Pinecast, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, let's see what else we got. Uh, Facebook. Got a Facebook group as well. Having good conversations in there. Uh, broadcasting uh, today about, wow, like denials, insurance, billing, notes. Oh, my. Uh, we're going to dig into that. So let's bring in our first guest, a returning guest to the show. Where's Craig Pfeiffer? There he is. Hey, Jimmy. Thanks for having me. Craig, welcome back, man. Appreciate you taking some time out. We, uh, you know, one of these conversations started on Twitter. People throwing questions out, chiming in. You were nice enough to always kind of jump in when it's kind of your area of expertise. And you run a private practice. Talk about that real briefly. Just give people a setting for who you are and what you do. So uh, I am one of the owners and the CEO of Rehabilitation Performance Institute, which is an outpatient physical therapy practice, therapist owned in Indiana, Kentucky, Illinois. Um, and then I help therapists uh, start and build successful private practices uh, through the Private Practice Rebellion as well. All right. Since you own the place, you're probably, are you still at work right now? Uh, yes. Yeah. Whenever we talk to people who are like business owners, a lot of times they're just like, oh yeah, I'm still at work. I'm like, all right, well, it's seven o'clock. Well, it's seven o'clock here. 
Uh, what are we drinking? Are you drinking something at work or is that against company? Uh, I mean, you are in no, charge. Okay. So I actually like my work right now is a co-working space. Oh, perfect. Um, yeah. So I can drink here, uh, which is fantastic. So I have a Manhattan. Wow. Going bold Manhattan. I had my yeah. first couple of Manhattans ever just about a year and a half ago with actually, actually rich Westrick of the, uh, tactical athlete SIG. That is a story in and of itself. Uh, I'm going with, <laughs> it always uh, is. I'm going, yeah, with Manhattans, it is. I'm doing a line in Kugel Summer Shandy, so cheers to you and your Manhattan, Craig. I like that. Uh, first round brought to you by our friends from Owens Recovery Science, a single source for PTs looking for certification in personalized blood flow restriction rehabilitation training. Johnny and the team really amping it up. He's actually doing, um, he's doing a really great presentation for the APTA Centennial on blood flow restriction training, so that's coming up. Again, their website owensrecoveryscience.com as well as their podcast the owens recovery science podcast all right craig so we bring you into bat leadoff on these things that we were kind of taught in pt school um i'm not gonna say professors sometimes pass the buck but they were like you're gonna learn this in clinic don't just you know what there's some stuff you write it down whenever you do anything you write it down just write everything write everything down and uh let's lead off with this a lot of times craig we spend too much time right just writing everything down and maybe some of those things we write down don't matter. Um, is that true? Why do we do that? So it's, it's, we're all scared, right? Like, it, like you get taught like this, it's a really scary thing. You don't want to get audited. You want to get in trouble. So then, then we end up just documenting every single thing, <laughs> checking every single thing. Um, it, so basically documentation exists to support patient care and enhance communication. If in a perfect world, that's the only two things you got to do, right? However, like there's this third thing that like we need to get paid for what we did. So like sometimes that requires something else or something extra or just something you got to say. But for the most part, supporting your patient care and enhancing communication, it can be done in a much shorter format than we normally do it. But, the, but like, so coming from a communications guy, you've said write everything down. So people do. But the question should be, what is enough? What When do we know when we've hit enough? Because not enough, not good, but also too much, not good. So how do you explain when, you, when you're when you onboarding someone, how much is enough so you're not too short and you're definitely not over? <laughs> so, so one of the interesting things to me, I talked to my, my sister as a family doctor. So we get to have these like interesting discussions about like family doctors, PTs, right. and she's just like, can, can I just tell you one thing, Craig? You guys write the most worthless notes where you ramble on for four pages about stuff that I don't even care about. Just like, stop saying so much and just tell me what's going on and what you're going to do to fix it. Um, and, and there's a little bit of that. Of basically, like, we need to document what's happening, why it's happening, how we're going to fix it, and when that's when that's all going to go down. Um, and then, you know, from a, even if you go into patient expectations and their standpoint. You look at any other medical visit that a patient has ever been to, any right. physician ever, they're going to come into physical therapy. This is kind of what they're comparing us to. And they're going to get the most thorough objective examination they've ever had in their entire lives. And there's not a close second. So you're already exceeding their expectations. So if you feel like I've got to throw in 15 extra special tests and I've got a manual muscle test, 37 things, um, and I've got a test range of motion at every joint. And then I, then if you do it, you have to write it all down, Right. right. So like I'm telling you, there's some of that stuff you don't even need to do, let alone write it down because it's already a really thorough, really thorough process that you need to basically be documenting. Here's what's going on. And, and from the very beginning, if you're paying attention to there's things going on with this patient that would be more likely to cause them to have a longer course of care than the average person. 
And that can be past medical history, chronicity, fear avoidance, you know, their living situation, their work, their sleep, their nutrition. There are a lot of things that fall into that category. So those are the things you definitely want to throw in there. Right. You definitely want to throw in your assessment as far as this is why I'm expecting a longer course of care. The, the other thing that people need to know is the average course of care in physical therapy median is 11.3 visits. Now, that's because 70% of patients drop out of care is the only reason it's that low. The, the average course of care for people who complete physical therapy is 17 visits. For the people who, like, they, we collect outcomes on them when they begin, we, they complete their care, we collect outcomes on them when they leave, that's 17 visits. That's WebPT data. They've got, I don't know, like 100,000 therapists or something like that. So I, I trust that data for sure. So if, if you're documenting that this is going to be a long course of care, because almost every course of care that's completed is a long course of care, people have a lot of things going on that's a really good start and then leave out some of the objective pieces that you know you don't need to measure range of motion of every single joint why do we do uh, this is, is this like we're, we're trying to is this like a napoleon complex we're trying to prove ourselves so to prove <laughs> ourselves that we, we write a ton more is that what it, i mean could it be from that i i think that's got to be part of it too of of i think that pts often don't realize that like we are the neuromusculoskeletal experts and i mean it, it's you know even there, there's some good research to back that up, that if you if you put us and take an orthopedic exam that was actually designed by orthopedic surgeons, the group that does best on it is orthopedic surgeons. The group that does next best is PT or specialty PTs, and then it's PTs, and then it's PT students, yeah, and then it's doctors. So like PT students who feel like you know nothing, you know more than 90% of the practicing physicians out there. So mm -hmm. there's no reason to feel like I've got to test all this stuff because I, I just got to be sure I got to you know better than almost anybody else on the planet. All right, so now we've pumped them up. Let's 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 fill them <laughs> with key phrases. We're going to talk about denials in just a little bit with uh, with Will Humphreys, but let's maybe just mention a few key phrases in your notes that could make things less likely to deal with denials in your PT clinic. Yeah, so so one thing like denials are a pain because then you have to work more, right? So if you do do some some key things, and it's usually going to be the assessment. That's where. I feel like insurance companies are really paying attention to. Um, so it, it's your assessment where you need to write specifically from the very beginning and even frequently through your documentation. This patient, I expect to meet their full prior level of function or whatever it is that you, they can get there. And I expect it will be a long course of care due to X, Y, Z. And if you hit that and then say, like, I, I advise overshooting. If you say it's going to be two visits a week for four weeks and you end up needing nine visits, that's a lot of work to get that ninth visit. Right. If you say two times a week for eight weeks and it ends up being nine visits, congratulations. Hero. You don't have to do that extra amount of work to go back and get that extra visit that you should have asked for in the beginning. So those are the key things, I think. Okay. Key phrases to pay attention to. Uh, you, you touched on this a little bit, but maybe we can go a little deeper before we let you go. Uh, what should PTs focus on in their daily note versus a progress note? They're, they're, they're similar, but not the same because everybody loves them when they come in. They're like, oh, reval, great. Oh, progress note. Awesome. This is uh, fantastic. Can't wait for this. A lot of times patients will just feel like, oh, this is all we did was this whole note-taking exchange. So what are the, the differences on things that we can focus on so maybe we can reduce some of that, that documentation in there? So for Dalis, and this is, gosh, as a practice owner, like I feel like I need to hit on this real quick um, because there's, there's a ton of gray area 
in, in documentation, medical billing, um, that if, if you say, I'm going to do squats with that patient and I want to build that as whatever, like it's therapeutic exercise. You're trying to make their quads stronger. It's neuromuscular education. You're working on a, uh, a posterior weight shift and, and how they do that. You're, you're helping them try to get upstairs more easily. Well, that's therapeutic you know, activity. That's 97530. Oh, when, when they get their quads going a little bit, it helps their knee feel better. So this is almost a self-care thing. Well, that's 97535. So one of the things to do is just really easily document, here's what we did. And I did that for this purpose. And that will cover you and a lot of things down the road. If anybody's ever like, why, why was this 97530 where it says I did squats to help them get up the stairs. Um, so you probably don't need to be like, I, I did two sets of 12 and then I did a third set of nine because they couldn't complete it or whatever. Like generally, you know, I did squats, three sets. It is perfectly fine. Um, and then for daily note, it's, it's try to keep it as simple as possible. <laughs> here's one or two things they said. Um, here's what we did and why. And then on the assessment, you're, you're constantly updating the, yes, this patient is getting better um, if they are, in fact, and, uh, here's how we're measuring that. And here's how that, that impacts the outcome of, well, they've been getting better, but because they had this setback, that's going to extend their course of care a little bit. Um, so you're keep, you're, you're playing that game where three visits in, you're saying this happened. I think that's going to make this course of care go longer and that you've, you've already documented it at visit three. So then you're not asking more for more visits at visit 10, you're less likely to get when you're asking for them visit 10. But when you can go back and say, visit three, I told you this was coming. Craig Pfeiffer from RPI is saying less, uh, more doing, less writing about the, what you're doing, right? J get enough, but keep in mind that most likely you are your own worst enemy. You're, you're the thing in your head saying, we need to write more. I need to write more. When in fact, Craig is saying, just be, be more efficient in what you're writing. Absolutely. All right, Craig, uh, stick around. We're going to bring you back in just a minute, but let's bring our next guest, uh, Penny Goldberg, coming into the studio. Love the anatomical models in the background. Whenever someone's got a great – what is that? Is that a shoulder and arm? It is, it is a shoulder. I'm not a practice owner, but I am still at work. I like that. I like how you just, you're just you doing it. All right, so I won't ask yeah. you what you're drinking because I don't want to get HR involved, but welcome to the show, Penny. Well, thank you for having me. I'm excited to do this. We've interacted uh, on the on the Twitter, on the Bird app a lot. I believe you, you were the one starting it or really got that conversation going, which really kind of brought this episode about. So thanks for doing that. My pleasure. All I right, always so like to talk about documentation. Well, I mean, listen, we all have these weird things we like to talk about. Some people run from it. I bet you some people listening right, right now are like, I, just, I don't like to do it. What do we do when we're afraid of something? We bury our head in the sand and we right. avoid it as much as possible. And we just talked about that with Craig. When we do that, what are we going to do? We're probably going to overdo it to be safe right. instead of doing it, you know, to the mark. Uh, Penny, we bring you on to talk about insurance. Uh, let's right. talk about how insurance actually works with documentation, because I know when I was taught this, I was just always scared. There was this thing called the insurance company, and they were always just kind of looming somewhere. I don't know. Were they? Uh, is it like Skynet? Are they a machine that's reading my notes? Yeah. I had no idea. So where does this come into play, Penny? How does insurance work with documentation? So – Insurance is, uh, is special. Um, insurance can be, it can be regional, it can be national. So obviously, you know, CMS is our biggest payer. That's Medicare, Medicaid, all of our federal insurances and most other insurance companies are going to follow those guys and their rules. So when we talk about documentation, you know, ultimately, if we go back to the CMS rules, you know, what does Medicare want to see, then we're going to be covered with everyone else. 
Um, the, the reason I think we don't learn this in school is because it's clear as mud, right? Like Cigna has rules for a plan of care. Cigna has their own definition of medical necessity. Blue Cross Blue Shield doesn't even necessarily want a plan of care, depending on what state you're in. And schools just don't know that. So it, it becomes the, you know, the job of the clinic to teach their employee how to do it. I mentioned at the top of the show, it was almost like, it wasn't past the buck, but it was kind of past the buck where it was like, listen, you're going to learn this uh, in clinic. There, Each clinic is going to do things differently. Each insurance right. company, some clinics take them don't. And uh, also just the speed of progress by the time necessarily that a professor can get it into the syllabus. Uh, it might be changed six months, 12 months down the line. That might be old news. Right. And it's also different in every setting, right? This, this was the Twitter conversation yesterday was, you know, if you're in Ohio and you're a PTA treating, you need direct supervision, you know, regardless of what setting you're in. In Florida, if you're private practice, you need direct supervision. If you're hospital-based, you don't. If you're home health, you don't. It just doesn't make any sense when we all do the same thing, um, that, that the rules are, are ever-changing. Um, even as, as much as yesterday, I believe, CMS just talked about the rules for calendar year 2022 and what's going to happen with PTA reimbursement. So you're absolutely right. It, it's it's a, a daily thing to try and keep up with. Keep moving the goalposts. Yeah, the goalpost yeah. keeps kind of moving. All right. So these are some of the words, and I'll be dead honest. I let my mom handle most of my insurance right. interactions when I was before I was in PT, when I was in radio. Uh, so I knew these words existed, but I'm going to throw three words at you. We can talk about like that Sesame Street uh, segment, which was like some of these things are not like the other. I'm going to throw copay deductible insurance at you. Okay. It's me. Okay. So um, these are all things that are set by your insurer, not by your therapist, not by your clinic. That's an important note uh, on the patient facing side, right? To be able to explain that to patients that we don't decide anybody's copay, anybody's co-insurance or anybody's deductible, right? That's right. That's set by their actual insurance company. Um, you know, uh, copay is the easiest one to understand, right? That is a flat fee. Every time you walk through the door, it costs you $50. It doesn't matter if I bill one unit or I bill four units, you're still going to pay $50 as the patient. Right. Um, so the, the insurance company can make out really well on that um, exchange. Coinsurance and deductible tend to work together. Right, so deductible is the amount that you have to pay before your insurance company starts paying. Um, those numbers are sky high right now. We're seeing as high as eighty-eight hundred dollars, um, which is just which is just nuts, right? They're yeah. you know, tw twenty-one PT visits, but an eighty-eight hundred dollar deductible. So there's like no way you're ever going to get your insurance company to pay. Wow. Um, so deductible is the amount you have to pay before they kick in. Coinsurance is the percentage that you get to pay after you meet your deductible. So if you are in a world of having $8,000 worth of, you know, PT or medical procedures, then once that deductible is met, then maybe you only owe 40% or hopefully 20%. Um, and again, it, it depends on the setting. If you're in a hospital-based outpatient PT clinic, these numbers are going to be, you know, 200 to 300% higher than if you're at a private practice clinic who takes insurance, uh, which again, is just insane that it's not the same everywhere. Keep moving. The, every, everything is different. Everything changes all the time. I guess the only constant is change. Um, I mentioned this a minute ago, dropped a Skynet reference in there in terms of who's reading these notes. Like no one ever actually asked me about my notes when I was when I was in, in clinic. Um, but what, do what does insurance want to see and read? What are they looking for? This will kind of be the other hand that Craig just kind of let off with. What are they looking for? Right. So 
we we were audited recently and I was shocked by the level of detail that they were looking for. So while really? I totally agree with Craig that uh, simple is better and I think you can do a good note with, you know, as little as four sentences, the, the auditors were looking um, to make sure you were following your own plan of care, right? To make sure if you, if you put the patient was going to be seen once a week, that they weren't being seen more than once a week. Um, if you had treatment procedures listed, Therex, Therac, manual, that you weren't then doing um, traction, that, that wasn't a, a listed code. Um, they went back and checked to make sure that plans of care were signed, that progress notes were done appropriately, and that progress notes weren't just clicked boxes, right? So essentially, if, if your note says a little bit more than just patient feels well, uh, patient picked up heavy things, patient tolerated heavy things well, continue as planned. If, if you can be a little bit more detailed than that, you're going to be okay with the auditor. If you just continuous tolerated, continuous tolerated, continuous tolerated, they're going to go, how, how are you showing any sort of progress? Carry forward, carry forward, carry forward from previous notes. Right. They're right. looking for not that. All right. So right. do what you do what you say that you're doing. Right. That's say right. what you want to do, but then do what you actually just said. They're looking for that kind of detail. Right. Okay. Right. Just follow, follow what you said you were going to do. Right. You gave yourself a roadmap. Now you have to follow it. Okay. So not a novel, but just right. you know, make sure you, you write that map. You, uh, my old triathlon coach used to say, uh, plan your race and then race your plan. Don't change it right. midstream. All right. So let's get into this. I don't know, this, this question, this next one could go, uh, to go sideways. Uh, maybe you can handle it though. Uh, insurance companies, what do they consider med medically necessary? I feel like this is another goalpost moving. Yes and no. So I, I would argue that you can justify medical necessity for just about anyone with good documentation, right? So the, the actual definition of medical necessity is like it has to be for the purpose of treating, diagnosing, evaluating an illness. It has to be, you know, generally accepted standards of practice. Um, it has to not just be for the convenience of the therapist, the patient, the physician, the chiropractor, right? But biggest piece is that it has to be clinically appropriate. So again, go back to your plan of care. Your type of treatment has to be appropriate. Your frequency has to be appropriate. Your duration has to be appropriate. And, and all of that has to be effective. Right? So it, it, there's, there's not a lot of complexity there if you can hit those marks. If you go, you know, this patient comes in and they have low back pain. And when I was in clinical, I learned that everybody with a low back pain has a tight piriformis and a tight hamstring. You can't just stretch those because you want to. You have to stretch those because you have evaluated something either with a goniometer or a muscle length test, some sort of functional movement that showed you the patient had tightnesses in those two muscles, and then you can stretch them as much as you want, right? That That's how simple it can be. Okay. Um, and I, I think that we can find medical necessity for for everybody if we look for it. You know, I'm taking, I'm taking notes during our defensible document. <laughs> so I think that's very, very uh, clinically appropriate. Clinically effective. Make sure it's those things, right? At the bare right. minimum, make it both of those both of those things. And I like how you threw in. Make sure it's not just convenient for you as the therapist. Right. Got to be for that. Who who's the customer here, right? Out of right. all the three people in the room, right? Insurance, which is just kind of the skynet thing, which is always there. The therapist or the clinician and the patient. The patient's the one we got to make sure it's most effective and appropriate for. Right. Okay. Um, and finally, let's talk about this uh, financial assistance. That, let's talk about that. That that's something I never dealt with. Uh, financial assistance in terms of which which side? Uh, anybody, like, because I, I bet you a lot of the therapists out there listening right now don't even know this is an option. Okay, so um, 
it, it is absolutely an option in your big hospital systems. Um, if you are, you know, if you're if you're in Gainesville and you get treated at the University of Florida, and the you know their hospital base, so their rates are sky high. Um, it's it's a fairly simple application process. Um, you have to show some of your business that you don't want to show. You typically need a pay stub, a tax return, utility bills. Um, but if you can show medical necessity or uh, financial necessity, they'll help almost everybody, right? That's yeah. the, the hospitals actually want to help you. The insurance companies don't want to pay, but the hospitals want people to get seen, want people to get better. There's still some altruism left in that piece of healthcare. Um, in, in your private practices, in your comprehensive outpatient rehab facilities that look like private practices, but aren't, it's a little bit easier to manipulate things like coinsurances and deductibles, you know? So in, in my practice, um, I kind of think about it as people have a set amount of money that they're willing to pay towards physical therapy. And if they come in at the first visit and kind of hint or plainly say that, um, you know, financially that twice a week isn't going to work or, you know, that, that right. this is a hardship. I, I am very honest. I say we can manipulate that. We, as long as you don't have a copay, I can't do anything about that. But if you have a deductible, we can treat for a half session, right? We can do two half sessions a week instead of one full session a week. And it'll cost you the same amount at the end of the day. Um, we can, you know, we can do payment plans and things like that. That depends on where you work. The the only piece that gets hairy again is the copays. You know, I saw a patient yesterday who had an $85 copay. That's $5 more than our self-pay rate. Wow. So when I told that mom that we could help her athlete, you know, I said, we, we can do, you know, 30 minutes once a week. We can do 30 minutes once a week, twice a week. And she was like, oh, that's, that's amazing. Let's figure out what plan works best for our budget, right? People are, they'll, they'll keep coming. I think, we, we, I think what I just took away from that Penny was uh, ask. That's right. Just don't, don't be afraid to talk to people about the money piece, right? That's, that kind of lives in the same place as smoking and obesity and the stuff that we're like, eh, I don't know if this is my place, but, but it is your place. If you want people to come for 17 visits, right? If you want them to come for 17 visits so that they get better and they don't have to come again, right? Figure out a plan that, spans the longest amount of time right. and then make it affordable, available, realistic um, for them to attend. And, and they will. I love that. Penny, I appreciate uh, you having this conversation pretty regularly on Twitter. Uh, yeah. I appreciate you stopping by here. Don't go anywhere. Don't go away, but we'll bring you right back after we talk to our next guest, another returning guest to the show. Uh, he was just on a couple of weeks ago and he's coming back already. Where's Will Humphreys? There he is. Hey, Welcome back. Will. Where are you right now? You are not, you are not at home, are you? I am not. I'm in Idaho. I am here getting some treatment, and this is my hotel room. I actually was going to lay on my bed when you introduced me, but I realized that's not very insurance-based, so I decided to come back to my chair. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, well, you uh, you get to coach. You get to coach and help people. Talk real briefly about who you get to help and what you get to help them do. Yeah, so I started a, a coaching company that does medical billing, and so it's a cool concept because. I have a team of medical billers that are all US based and they do a phenomenal job of, of, of uh, outsourced billing. And then I coach the owner around the five pillars of profitability so they can apply the profits in a way that where it grows their, their company. And that's where I spend most of my time. Every day I'm on the phone with either masterminds that I'm running or individual coaching of private practice owners across the country. In the blackbilling.com is where you can find out more information. So, Will, you're batting third here, batting cleanup in this lineup. Uh, we're talking with you about billing and denials. Uh, we want to maximize one of those things, and we want to minimize the other. So let's focus on the maximization part first. How can physical therapists maximize billing and coding? 
Yeah. So this the answer is going to surprise you. All right. But it it has to deal with with the relationship with the patient and working with the front desk. And the reason I say that is because 30% of all rejections come from errors at the front desk level. And the therapists uh. typically don't want to get highly involved in that. That's a team relationship in, in the business of any business. The drop always occurs at the handoff. And so when we are looking at maximizing that patient experience to not only just produce the best outcomes, but to also produce the highest levels of profit, we want to work with our teammates in a way to where we really understand their challenges. We help them support it. Another thing that happens a lot, and this is surprising to me, but practice, private practice owners will know all about this, is the number of visits we see every year that don't have authorization. So again, where PTs go is like, hey, I want to go learn the best reimbursing codes by insurance. That's where their minds go naturally. Right. But the greatest impact we can make is very easy and controllable. It's just understanding how um, the, the patient's insurances work around those concepts of verifying them correctly and making sure they have proper authorization before continuing. Yeah, when you say a lot of times the bleed or the losses are in the handoff, I mean, that's, that concept is easy to wrap your head around. I remember when I used to work in radio with engineers, they'd be like, how many, how many points of failure are, you, are there? I'm like, what does that mean? Like, how many different things do you have to hand off from this? You know, if, if it's audio, the audio has got to go from here to there to there to there to there to there. That's a lot of points of failure. I'm like, oh, just places where things can go wrong. Yes, very rarely is it, you know, in the course of treatment or once you're one-on-one. -on -one. Typically when you're there, that's relationship built. It's that transfer of information or things carrying over that typically has a, a big point of failure. Yeah, beautifully stated. And it's interesting because like when as we as therapists are treating our patients, we're, we're forgetting that selling is educating. When we're educating them, all we're doing is selling them to commit to a purpose. And so when we're done with our visit, if you've ever been anywhere that's cash pay, a healthcare product that's, that's cash pay, they have somebody who sits down with you. Dentists are great at this. You know, the, the dentist does the initial evaluation and then someone else will sit down with the patient and say, all right, so here's what's going to cost and here's what your insurance can do. We don't have that luxury with our margins being so small in our industry, but what we can do is every therapist can walk their patient to the front and talk to the front desk and say, hey, Susan, I just, I just evaluated Mary. I am confident that I'm going to be able to get her hip better to where she can play with her grandkids again. But I want her coming three times a week for four weeks. And then, uh, you know, Mary, Susan's going to go over again that information on your copay and deductibles. I really, if you have any troubles, let me know. Otherwise, please, I need you to come in order for this to happen. Those little discussions is how we're going to maximize that. That, that. I love what Craig said, how so many of our patients just stop coming because it's up to us to put the urgency into the care so that they actually want to come. They have to believe yeah. that we believe we're going to fix them. Yeah. Yeah. You're talking about I me. Mean, that's just a warm handoff, right? Which is the, the yeah. patient's never lost in where they belong in this relationship. And I use that, those words uh, pretty intentionally. And when they, when people are very clear on what is expected of them and what's going to be happen, they show up more often. If I'm confused, I don't know. This kind of feels weird. I got to explain myself and I got to fight through us. No, but if, if Will walks me to the front desk and I, I'm in the middle of that conversation, he's talking right in front of me. Well, that's, that's, that's reducing a point of failure for that. So I, I, I love, we lead off with that. All right. So that's maximizing billing encoder, right? So leading to denials and documentation, we mentioned documentation before, and I knew we'd be coming to you with this. Uh, what leads to those denials and documentation? What are some of the things that we can, can we can focus on to prevent? 
so the insurances vary on this concept, right? And like, um, like Penny said so beautifully beforehand, a lot of times they're not as attuned to the documentation until they do an audit. But when we're talking about those insurances that are really sticklers, like the ones who are playing the game, first of all, all insurance is a game. The right. whole thing is, is really arbitrary when you think about it. We don't really have insurance. We have prepaid healthcare. That's what it is. We have this idea that we're investing in it, but it's just these are companies trying to save money. So sometimes the lowest reimbursing insurances have the weirdest documentation rules. So I want to make sure that like when we're going out into like documenting for our visit in a way to maximize reimbursement, that we just stick to what Craig and Penny said, because ultimately if there are going to always be those outliers that are going to be so weird that we don't want to translate what they want into everything else. Right, right. And, and really kind of going to what Craig said too, I was once in an audit where um, someone in, in my company was being reviewed and it was by the state board and the, the, a physical therapist on the state board reviewed the note that they wrote and they mentioned something about calf pain that day and that person went off about how they didn't do a home and sign. Like there was a liability about over-documenting so, you know, for me, I just want to be careful on the documentation side, because as long as people stick to what Craig and Penny said, they're going to be fine. You're going to get these outliers that are going to require more. But truly, what I want to say to the practice, private practice owners is, is to stop taking those insurances. We work from a place of fear. So we take right. everything because we're afraid our referral sources are going to stop sending to us because we don't work with some of these crappy insurance companies that only exist because we tolerate them. Right. If we all just stop taking them, then our documentation would actually shrink in some ways because we won't have to jump through extra hur hurdles. Some insurances require off every three visits. It's insane. That's crazy. That's just, it's just too much. You spend, I mentioned this earlier, you meant you spend more time writing about what you're doing than doing the thing you went to school for doing the thing that person showed up to, to, to be with you for. And that just, that's a loss to me. You mentioned fear a second ago, and I think fear comes into the, the this, this next component. Yes. What, considering over or under billing a lot of times i've seen this people will say just just bill less because we don't want to get sticky we, we're, we're a little bit flaky. we don't, we don't want to do that but i would say don't over or under bill bill appropriate so what's considered over or under billing and how can pts avoid it the right way can you see how emotional i'm getting right now like, i just like everybody listen everyone i know who's ever become a pt this is true they're like the most amazing human beings and we just throw away our profession because we underbill. Listen, everyone's so flipping worried about overbilling. And so what do we do? We like we underbill. It's like, you know, and honestly, because of how we we work, we're so busy with people. Maybe our companies don't have systems in place that keep track of time beautifully. So at the end of the day, or if we're being honest, sometimes on the weekend, we're doing our notes and we're like, what did I do Wednesday? Well, that stinks. Let me tell you that like, unless you're trying to like intentionally screw over someone, you're not gonna overbill if you're really trying to keep things as accurate as possible. Do not make the mistake of compassionate billing because here's what's at risk. If you overbill, you're being unethical. Let me make sure I say that. If you overbill, you're stealing, straight up. If you're not sure if you're overbilling, work with your bosses and supervisors to get that cleared up. But if you're underbilling, you're minimizing our profession. Because when we devalue, if you've ever been to a lawyer, my gosh, they round up the 15 minutes and charge you double the thing. So like when we do anything we spend time on doing, we should bill for, and we should make sure it's all accounted for because then we, we teach the insurance companies that we're, we're going to take it. Right. And that's why reimbursement in our industry goes down is because we're willing to take it. 
I, I just all I hear from you saying is like, make sure you're not part of the erosion. If if you're if you're going and you're nodding along and you're saying, okay, I'll just do this. And again, I, I want to make sure it's not from a place of fear. It's yeah. probably from a place of like ethics. Like you you're afraid you don't want to do too much. Great, then do then do then then make sure you're accurate in that. Yeah. And so here's the phrase that a lot of PT schools say. I remember hearing this in PT school all the time. It was, hey guys, your license is your livelihood. Right. What bullcrap that statement is, man, because look, your license is your opportunity. And can you see the fear-based like instruction that students get right out of the, the gate? It's like your license is your livelihood. Like don't screw this up or you'll lose your ability to provide for your family. Right. I, I know tons of people that aren't physical therapists that can do just fine for their family. So it's not your livelihood. It's your opportunity. You want to protect it, but you want to maximize it. You want to show people how to get better and you want to get paid for it. Right. Yeah, Cassandra Hill jumping in here saying, she listen, she'd argue underbilling is unethical too. Billing appropriately, yeah. like bill appropriately. You said, like, go back to what I broke down from Penny. Like you said you were going to do something, do the, just make sure, do what you say, say what you do. And that's, that in and of itself is ethical. And hello, yeah. Cassandra, I haven't talked to you in a while. And, and real quick, what I would say also is providers, get your notes done within 48 hours of seeing the patient at the most. Their insurance is a game. You have to realize there's the ethicality of what we do and then on the other side is the game of getting paid. We get so focused on the ethicality and the care of what we provide. We, we want to forget this complexity over here. And that's how the insurances want you to. Yeah. You want to forget. But if you play the game and, and you get it done fast, you submit your charges quickly, you work with your front desk to minimize errors in data collection and making sure everyone has authorization, you're going to collect every dollar that you're owed. And then you can go to your employer and ask for a raise because you can show them objectively how you're creating additional value at that point. Well said. A lot of good stuff. Loving the, uh, the, 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 the quotes that are going to come out of this episode. Uh, let's bring back uh, Craig and Penny into the studio. Craig, Penny, we'll appreciate this episode. I know uh, a lot of takeaways. I know you guys were chiming in with each other. I follow that right there. Yeah, I like that. That's but that's this is what we need, right? Instead of just wondering or thinking or hoping, hope's not a plan. Make sure you're doing the right thing, and then make sure you feel that and you and you go forward and do it. Uh, we have a tradition on the show. Several of you have done this before, Penny. I believe this is your first time. We're going to do a thing called three questions. Let's do that. Three questions brought to you by our friends uh, from Fusion Medical Staffing. Find them online at fusionmedstaff.com. Leaders in hashtag travel physical therapy. Things are changing in 2021. I mean, things are changing month to month in 2021, especially about travel physical therapy. I say let your PT or PTA license take you where you want to go. Like, where do you want to like, kick the tires on this this country, man? Go travel. Use it as a uh, a paid test drive of a part of the country. Uh, see what they have with job transparency online at Fusion Med Staff. Dot com. So let's go around the horn. Uh, we'll go Penny, then Craig, then Will. Penny, first question is a where question. Where in the U.S. Could, wouldn't you like just would love to go and just hang out for a little bit? I would love to go to New York City and live there long enough to like learn the subways and know how to get from A to B. Yeah, 48 years. That's how long you would need. 48 years. And Manhattan's super easy. You go anywhere into Queens or Brooklyn, you're on your own. Good luck. Just bring money for a cab. Uh, so New York City, you know, I'm from New York, so I can say that. Craig, where's somewhere you could, you can't wait to go visit? Uh, two weeks ago, I was in Seattle. First time in my life I've been on the West Coast. And, man, that place is beautiful. Nice town. Um, I would love to go back, yeah. 
love, love it. Uh, Will, you've been on the show a couple of times. I've asked you this, but, you know, name some. You're in Idaho. Who? I mean, you're all over. I'm all over. Yeah, you know, right now, though, I'm craving the beach. Like, yeah. I, for me, that could be Florida. That could be California. I just, I need, I need a beach sometime soon. Sand. All right. Well, all those places our guests mentioned, you can get jobs because that's, there's people that live there and where there's people that need PTs. So again, fusionmedstaff.com. Question number two, Penny. Uh, what is something you've watched or read or listened to? Book, movie, podcast, something that you think the audience could get value from? Doesn't matter if it's PT related or not. Uh, okay, so I'm like really obsessed with uh, the newest Jim Jeffries podcast. It's called I Don't Know About That. Jim Jeffries. And, uh, yeah, so it's it's hilarious to start with. And then it's just, you know, they bring in an expert. He kind of guesses based on the room that they're in. There's there's video uh, what they do. And then they they ask him to explain everything he knows. The most recent episode is about manatees. So Jim Jeffries is telling you everything he knows about manatees. And then the expert comes in and uh, and kind of corrects the um, you know the information, but it has been on everything from uh, powerlifter competitors to um, the Constitution. Uh, I mean, there was an episode on bees. There's a great episode on beer where they all got drunk, and it was amazing. Really, uh, it just it yeah, it's just a lot of fun. Just a, a super fun way to spend an hour. You had me at Jim Jeffries. That's all I've got. <laughs> all right. Craig, what do you got? Oh, uh, well, it's so much less entertaining. So I just got done uh, reading uh, Victor Frankl, Man's Search for Meaning, like super old book, yeah. but like, oh my gosh, like it, that was just so many fantastic insights and, and a, a life I can't even imagine that uh, that I thought was really fantastic. Highly right. recommend. Love that. All right, Man's Search for Meaning. Will, what do you got? I got right here, actually. I am reading this book, Traffic Secrets, Russell oh, Brunson. Russell Brunson, yeah, Brunson. Yeah, it's cool. He's yeah, ClickFunnels is great, and I love that stuff. It's about defining your audience, your target audience, and making an impact. It's a lot of fun. It's focusing on people and what those people right. mean, what you can deliver. Uh, last question is a who question, Penny. Who is someone the audience should know more about? Oh gosh. Yeah. Um, oh my, there's so many. Um, I, I have two that come to my head very quickly. One is uh, Nick Hoops, who is at Nick Hoops PT, maybe. He, he was part of the original conversation that started all of this. Yeah. Um, he's a great follow for a lot of reasons. He, he works in a, in a clinic that sees everything, but he also gets a ton of denials, like maybe disproportionate denials. So he's, he's got a lot of great insight on how to, um, how to deal with the insurance companies, right? How to navigate after the denial and try and get things paid um, for his clinic and for his patients so that they can continue to, to have care. And then the other one was is, uh, was, was it Nick who was talking about how he likes, he like documented the fact, documented how long it took him on hold yes, to actually yes. get human to talk to him. And he, then he yes. sent him a bill for his time, yes. which is Absolutely. awesome. Yeah, he sent he sent them an invoice, um, for his time, which is brilliant. We should all be doing that, right? We should all be doing that. Um, and then the other one is uh, is Doc J, who maybe yeah. has been on this podcast, but just doing brilliant things in PT, and uh, again, like finding finding a problem, creating a solution, and then monetizing it, which is just what everybody should be doing in PT, so that we can get away from. I mean, she's hired yeah. a second, third. She's opened a second location in less than twelve months, right. which is right. I think. Oh, by the way, during a pandemic. Right, and if we all follow that model, maybe we can get away from being so insurance driven. Um, and just kind of get back to patient care, which is what we all want to do anyway. Two great ones there from Penny. Craig, who do you got? Uh, I I'll probably just shout out a, a group right now. So uh, the private practice section of the 
of the APTA, I think has some fantastic resources out there and some fantastic information, a ton of people who are really willing to uh, really willing to help. So um, if you are into private practice, you're into this information at all. Um, there's a ton of great resources there, a ton of great people. Uh, utilize it. Love it. All right, Will, uh, go for it. Who's your who? Yeah, so a guy named David Berg, he's the CEO and founder of a company called Redirect Health. Um, he's one of my inspirations. He's been my mentor for 20 years, and he uh, created this company that's grown huge, where it's a solution to traditional insurances. It's not uh, cost sharing. It's a totally different thing, and he's getting a lot of traction. So if you're a private practice owner and you want to find an inexpensive way to create um, an insurance program for your team, that's going to be wonderful for them and also be super inexpensive. Go to redirecthealth.com. Love it. Our last thing we do on the show is the parting shot. All right, Party Shot brought to you by our friends from the Academy of Orthopedic Physical Therapy. A lot of great things on the horizon for uh, for the Academy of Orthopedic PT. Find them online, orthopt.org. Uh, can't talk highly enough. A lot of people very successful and were sharing online that they got board certification, something that they were trying to aspire to for a long time. A lot of those people got there with the roadmap that is called Current Concepts of Orthopedic Physical Therapy. That is an independent study course from the Academy of Orthopedic Physical Therapy. Yes, they have their own courses. That one is going to get you from where you are to where you want to be if you if an OCS is something in uh, in your future, if that's what you'd like. So find them online, orthopt.org. All right, so parting shot. We'll go in the same order. Penny gets bat leadoff. Last thing you want to leave with the audience, your mic drop moment or last sentiment. What do you got? Oh, gosh. This is part of the Jim Jeffries podcast, too, where they do like a dinner party fact at the end, and I knew this was coming, and I still – uh, I don't know. Um, clinically appropriate is what I have the most explanation points on my notes here. Um, you know, make sure that what you're doing works and that you are documenting how it's working. Um, and, and that's how you're going to get paid. Do what you say, say what you do. That's what I wrote down for you. So that's well done. Craig, your parting shot. What do you got for us today? I'm going to piggyback off something Will got into is that we get to determine our own value when we choose to sign the insurance contract or not. Like you signing the contract determines, like I am worth whatever I said, whatever you said you were going to pay me. So, um, private practice owners, whoever, look at those things, read through those things, know what you're signing, and know that in the bigger picture, that the average physical therapy visit costs eighty-five dollars to provide. That's a median number in 2019. I will tell you, it didn't get less expensive in the last two years. Eighty-five dollars. If you're signing contracts that are paying you less than that. You were losing money when you sign it. So please pay attention to these things. It's better for all of us if, if we go into this together. Yeah, pay attention to the, trust me, the insurance company's doing their own math. You gotta they know, know these things. You know, as as uh, as Marcus Limonis would say, if you don't know your numbers, you're, you're dead. Like if you don't know your numbers, what, what, you're bleeding money right there. Uh, Will, you get to close the show, parting shot. What do you got for us? Yeah, I think in theme of what was said, I just wanna say that it's time that we take a stand for our leadership in the medical field. I think it's so vital that we identify what we need to learn or understand to become the leaders in the industry. And so I just wanna ask the audience as, as we leave, like, what is it that you stand for? Why did you become a physical therapist? And then I want you to ask, what is it in your world that is not aligned with it? And then go address it. Maybe it's a conversation, whatever it is, but either way, take a stand. 
Love that. All right. Uh, Penny, Craig, Will, appreciate you guys' uh, insight on this topic. This is something I probably would have steered away from and just would have put my head in the, in the sand. But I was like, you know what? I could just bring smart people on and have them talk. And this way I'm smart by association. But thanks for doing this and shedding a little bit of light, a little bit of insight. I say to the audience, follow these people online. Go to their websites and we'll have in the show notes uh, of this episode as well. Uh, good people sharing good information is never a bad thing. So, uh, Penny, Craig, Will, thanks so much for your time. Appreciate it. Follow us online. Welcome to the internet, my friend. How can I help you? Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at PT Pinecast. All right, show today brought to you by the Brooks Institute of Higher Learning, an innovator in providing advanced post-professional education. Brooks IHL offering continuing education courses in numerous specialty areas, six PT residency programs, an OMPT fellowship, as well as challenging but rewarding internships. The IHL specializes in the translation of information from evidence to patient management. Learn what they can do for you to support your professional development at brooksihl.org. Our home on the internet. ptpinecast.com. Created by Build PT. Build PT provides marketing services specifically for private practice PTs. From website development and hosting. To providing content marketing solutions for PT clinics across the country. See what Build PT can do for you today at buildpt.com. The PT Pinecast is a product of PT Pinecast LLC. It is hosted and produced by PT Pinecast CEO Jim McKay and CBO Sky Donovan from Marymount University. We talk PT, drink beer, and record it. This has been another pour from the PT Pinecast. The PT Pinecast is intended for educational purposes only. No clinical decision-making should be based solely on one source. While care is taken to ensure accuracy, factual errors can be present. More on the show at ptpinecast.com.